Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, October the 11th, 2021 here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church and uh, I am the associate pastor here, Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm joined with the rest of the pastoral staff as always. I got Jeremiah Custer here, Blake Flincham and Jeff McCarthy. And uh, fellas, you know, for the first time in a long time, we're going to be discussing a message that we that neither of the four of us preached. So uh, uh, none of us have, uh, uh, you know, uh, special insight or anything where, you know, a lot of times we come into this room and we start talking about the message and, and digging a little bit deeper into things as, as is our custom. And whoever preached that message, you know, they've got extra stuff that they couldn't bring to the, to the message because... Um, you know, that's what happens a lot of times. We, we, we do research on the sermon that we're, we're preaching. We run across a bunch of stuff, but we can't say everything that we find. And so uh, this is a good place for us to kind of share that with each other. But in this case, we don't, we don't have that benefit. So we're just going to talk about um, the message that uh, Chris Alley brought yesterday. And uh, I'll just start off by saying uh, I, I really enjoy Chris. Oh, yeah. um, Chris is, a, of course, you know, we've met Chris before. Uh, Jeff and I have had some meetings with him uh, when he was our mission strategist for this area from the North Carolina um, Baptist Association. Um, and, uh, you know, has a lot, of, uh, a lot of information about those ideas of those pockets of lostness in our area. And he mentioned some of that yesterday in, in passing as well. But um, I hadn't heard him preach. I've heard him speak before. I hadn't heard him preach. And I thought he did an excellent job with the text. So the text he chose um, is John chapter 9. So the Gospel of John uh, chapter 9. And this is, if you're familiar with, uh, with, with John, you know that he kind of focuses on a number of sort of uh, these, these narratives, these stories about people. And, and, and John really focuses on Jesus' interaction with people. And this particular one is uh, the healing of a man born blind. And um, Jesus uh, encounters him. He's passing by. He sees this man blind, uh, born blind from birth. Um, and I think that's important as well. This isn't somebody who's um, been made blind, but something's happened later on in life. He was, been, he was born blind. And uh, he gets the question from his disciples of all people, and they ask, who sinned, this man or his parents, that this guy was born blind? And we can actually, um, because, because Chris's message kind of, um, he spent the first part of it sort of explaining the text, uh, we can kind of go back through the text and talk a little bit about some of those things as well, and then we'll, we'll kind of get to where he landed, which was on more on application. Um, towards the end of this podcast. So let's just talk a little bit about some of the things we encounter as we're reading through this. One of those is this notion that anything that uh, bad that happens to someone is a direct result of their sin or someone else's sin in there, you know, or like their, 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 someone like their parents' sin. And, um, I wonder, you know, that that really hasn't changed a whole lot with with like, especially especially people who are uh, who are largely unchurched, just kind of on the fringes of Christianity or whatever. I think sometimes people have a tendency to think that if something bad's happened, it's happened because um, I've done something wrong. Well, I mean, it happened. 
I think a lot of people that go to church have that same opinion. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Uh, I, was, I was trying to give a bit of a no. I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of both. I think uh, it probably is. People that don't know God in a personal way and understand who He is may have that theme. But I think a lot of Christians too. Um, you know, we're going to talk about grace later on, which is going to be cool. Is that we still see ourselves under judgment and condemnation all the time, and that for some reason or another. Um, if I sin and something bad happens to me as a direct result of that, mm-hmm. that I, 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 I somehow or another my sin caused this to happen. Yeah. So I think that's very prevalent. I, the interesting thing about this question was um, the parents, you could say, okay, maybe the parents sinned. Like we know babies that were born because their mom was addicted to crack or something. Right, right, right. But when they say, or this man, <laughs> you know, if he was born b- blind that infers then somehow or another uh that's a good point it, as he's and i think chris mentioned it as he's being developed in the womb that somehow or another he sinned wow in the womb to yeah. cause this blindness so it was kind of a strange question to ask but it would be a question that they would probably ask because uh, it was so prevalent in their day that that you know if you're a leper or if you're blind or you're lame or you know are, are the generational sins that the sins of my great-great-grandfather caused this sin to happen. Right, right. So this was a very prevalent thing. Yeah. But the answer Jesus gives, of course, resets the record straight. Right. And 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 to, to just kind of go on that a little bit further. Well, if I'm being honest with you guys, though, the answer Jesus gives might set the record straight, but for me, it begs about 400 other questions. <laughs> It does. I mean, well, okay. Talk about the answer Jesus gives and, and why you say that. Well, he says it was not that that the man sinned or his parents, mm-hmm. but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Right. So then, my my very first obvious question is, okay, does does every every person who's blind or every person who's mm-hmm. born with no arm are they are they born that way so that God? Will work in them, like I, I don't think well, for so. God's glory. So I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't, um, sometimes we, we, I think we make a mistake when we do that. When we, we say, okay, because he says it about this one, it, may, it, it must mean that it's universally applied, right? So that then every disabled person is born disabled, so that they can display the glory of God. But I don't think I think that that he could be talking about just this man in this instance, and then that right. um, and. Because, like you said, there there are times where we know that people are born with disabilities, and they're born with disabilities because of the sin of their parents. I mean, you know that that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the sense that oh, you know, they did, you know, but like you said, retribu- mother- not because of retribution, because of consequence. Right, exactly. That's and, thank you. And thank you. Kind of, it's good clarification. And the answer I would give Jeremiah would be that I think the potential is there for all of us because we all have um, things that happen in our life and. Uh, whether we're born blind or whether I get blinded by a car wreck, you know, the potential is there that that, that could happen to bring glory to God. Mm-hmm. I think the potential is there for everybody, yeah. you know, because salvation is available for everybody. So all of our circumstances, I mean, we've seen uh, evangelists, uh, you know, like that one guy's a big time evangelist, has no arms or legs, right. does all these Oh yeah, Daniel Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, and so I say, so I think the potential is there, and so if I'm if I was if I was handicapped and I read this passage, then I could see that 
you know, and maybe God could get glory out of my life in some way. So I think I think you can't apply it that way. But I go I'll go with Jonathan. I think he, in this specific instance, he was directly talking about this guy that he was getting ready to do something yeah. while he's here on this earth to prove who he was. Yeah. And then and and of course the guy becomes a believer as a result. So. Yeah, I think that answer though explains some of the, maybe the fog for people because. To be honest with you, it's not necessarily a satisfactory answer. That's true. Yes. Even for me, I'm like, well, but Jesus doesn't always give satisfactory. Yeah, answers, right? yeah. I mean, that's you know that that are are answers you, that we think should be. You go about if it's for that individual, then okay, can we can we then apply it to some people? They are blind because of a sin, a specific sin, as retribution. Hmm. Um, like, I mean, it's not unheard of for God to blind someone on purpose. Uh, he does so with Paul. So um, I, I don't necessarily would say that Paul was blinded because of retribution either, just maybe as a wake-up call or as a means to test him. Or I, I don't know. I'm, these are just my thoughts. I don't necessarily believe what I'm saying. I just I do think that his answer for me brings up a whole lot more questions. Sure. And and that might cause some of the fog for for why some people still believe. Well, I, I think about. Um, I, I was just thinking. Um, Jesus says something similar to uh, when in John, when uh, in reference to Lazarus's death, right? He didn't say something real similar to, to, to this that 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 he died so that God. Um, um, well, in the prayer, yeah, in the prayer, he's yeah. praying that, that God would be glorified through this, right? Yeah, and then it, and then all that sort of. Both both of these instances point point to that John twenty uh, thirty one, but um, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So I'm just thinking, just thinking out loud. I think that maybe the the the, the thing that Jesus is talking about here is exactly that that um, that he was born blind so that you could believe that I am the Messiah, the Son of God. Yeah, right. And that by believing you have life in my name. Um, but yeah, those are good questions, and and you know, I think that um, I think your your uh, your distinction that you made just a moment ago is really an important one. That sometimes bad things happen uh, as con- as consequence, uh, or and sometimes they just happen as sort of um, um, uh, like a consequence, but not as a retribution. Um, there are times that we that bad things happen to us in retribution. Um, in other words, we do something wrong and we get our just deserves, right? Um, but there are other times where it just is a consequence. And sometimes it's a consequence of our own actions. Sometimes it's a consequence of actions of other people we have no control over. And sometimes it's just a consequence of the fact that we live in a world that does not operate the way that God originally intended for it to operate because we're still um, this side of glory. So, yeah, um, that question that's asked, though, about the, the man born blind um, I don't think it's. I, I, it was certainly common for that for, for them in that day, but I don't think it's uncommon for us in our day. And I guess I guess this is the point I was trying to make. Yeah, there. for sure. Um, so uh, let's let's go back to to the text here. Sorry, <laughs> just did not mean to chase that rabbit as far as we did, but it was good. Um, so then Jesus gives his answer, right? And then um, then he 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 does a really odd thing, and Chris talked about this. Um, actually, you know, Chris, Chris said it was a surprising answer. 
uh, in, in his, in his slide, yeah. um, the, the points that he made, he said, it's a common question. And Jesus gives a surprising answer, um, to, to, to credit your point there, Jeremiah. Yeah. Um, but then, then he does what <laughs> he spits on the ground and makes some mud from that, from that saliva and spreads the mud on his eyes. Hey, as a, as a, just as a, as a, a point of clarification here, every time I've read this, like I think of it in terms of, right, he makes the mud, like the clay, and then, you know, pushes the guy's eyes shut and then smears it, right? Do you think he does that or does he do it right into his open, his open blinded eye? Like, like I, I, I wondered that. I know that's silly, but I kind of wondered that when I, when I was preaching it. Like, did he actually put his, did he put the mud on his eyeball? Or did he put it the mud over his eyelid? I've like, often thought that it was his eyelid because you wouldn't put mud directly into someone's eyeball. But then when well, when you go to the doctor and they do that little test, they get right on here. Yeah, but that's not the same thing as putting mud in it. <laughs> that would hurt. I feel like this is a question I get in kids ministry, and I love it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 he could have actually made actual balls, like little eyeballs, and stuck in there. I, he if might. his sockets were out. I mean, we just don't really know. Well, it, well, it says... We do know he took clay right, and anointed his eyes. Yeah, spread the mud on his eyes yes. is all it says. It doesn't say... So whether it's on his lid or his... And then he had to go wash it off. And then he had to go wash it, wash in the pool of Siloam. I was just the child in me to be to be honest. The child in me was like, so did he run to the pool? Oh, you know, my eyes are burning because because right, you know, we'll stop this uh, recording right now. No, but I, you know, I, I do find it. I wonder if this guy knew what Jesus was doing. He can't see. Right. I don't know if Jesus was like, all right, I'm bending down. I'm going to spit in the mud. <laughs> right. He's he's giving him a play by play of yeah. what he's doing. Yeah. So. But the, but if he does know what he's doing, I think it does kind of point to this guy's like desperation for being healed. Mm, yeah, because he's like, all right, you can try whatever you want. Like, you can right. spit in my eyes. Right. In, in our culture, well, he didn't ask to be healed. No, he didn't. Yeah. It's so it's I don't know if he knows what's going because. I, I always picture the man. That's a good point, Jeff. He doesn't ask to be healed. Most, most people do, and he doesn't. Yeah, he, so, he, so obviously, he's there for a reason. He's probably begging for money. Mm-hmm. He's ignored by a lot of people. Jesus comes by. He's probably heard of Jesus. He's probably heard of disciples. I mean, the word and everything's been out. You're in John chapter 9 by now, so things have happened, and Jesus has shown up. So he may have a vague reference to Jesus. We just don't know how much he knows about Jesus. But he, if he's heard that there's this healer coming around and he's hearing these people talk and he's hearing what Jesus says, then maybe he's thinking, okay, we'll give it a shot. Because he has to be a participant in it. Right. He didn't push away from Jesus. He didn't ask him, what do you think you're doing or anything like that. Right. So, and, and, we, and we know that later on he at least knows what he did because it's, he, he, he gives answer to it. When they're yeah. like, how are your eyes open? He actually says, well, the man called Jesus made mud. And spread it on my eyes, and then told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed, and I received my sight. Right? Yeah. I mean, he 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 knows he knows what happened. Yeah. Notice he didn't say the man called Jesus spit and dirt. <laughs> yeah. So maybe he didn't know yeah. that part about yeah. it. Yeah. Like he, yeah. He's like, I don't know how he made mud, but he made. Mud. <laughs> I will say though, um, 
Your quest, you know, we can joke about it, but honestly, those are good questions to ask because it does help the Bible make, you know, it helps make it more real for us. Like, what, you know, how would that be like today if that happened, you know? Just well, to, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I have another reason for asking it, just oh, yeah. not, other than just being silly. Right. Because when Chris, and he did this at the end, um, but when he talked about how this harkens, this, this whole activity here harkens back to God at creation, the moment of creation, how he makes Adam from the dust, right? From he's he's making him from mud, right? He's, um, that that in, in the same why why would Jesus do it this way? And Chris was talking about he's he's creating new eyes for this guy. Hmm. Then it made me think, well, if he's going to create new eyes, he's not creating new eyelids. <laughs> he's seen, yeah. you know, so did he actually have to spread that on his eyeball? And um, so that's kind of what I was thinking, you yeah. know. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't say, um, and we just know that it, it, it. He 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 tells him he does that. He spreads the mud on his eyes, and he does tell him to go. The only thing Jesus says to him, he doesn't say he did, or at least as far as we know, he says go now, you know, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and Siloam does mean sent. The Bible tells us, which I think is interesting when we talk about that later. Um, so he leaves, he washes, and he comes back seeing. And of course, then all the neighbors are like. Wait a second! How did this happen, right? Um, uh, how how is it that 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 he uh, that 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 you're seeing again, and you that you can't be the same one that we saw begging? He's like, no, no, it's me. <laughs> you know, and he tells he tells them what happened, and they're like, well, where is this guy that did this? And he goes, I don't know. And of course, he doesn't know because he, he didn't blind. stick around, right? He was blind well, yeah. anyway. Well, he said a man named Jesus. So he. Yeah, he knows the guy's name, but he doesn't know where he's at now. Yeah. And then, of course, the next thing that happens is they bring this guy to, to, to the Pharisees. And Chris made a big deal out of this. And he, he said these are, these are five words that were really important. Um, and, and it's that the day that Jesus did this was on a Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we as Americans... You know, Westerners or whatever, we might read through John nine and just breeze right by that. But Chris made a point that this was actually pretty important, Blake. The yeah. fact that this was done on a Sabbath would have been uh, a game changer. Well, yeah, you know, keeping the Sabbath for, um, you know, it was in the Old Testament. I mean, it was one of the Ten Commandments. Um, it was one of the ten that you know you strictly wanted to follow by, and it was so important. Um, you had a lot more uh, religious leaders uh, before Jesus' day coming in and even making more rules upon rules upon rules uh, to the law that weren't from God but were man-made to make sure that they didn't break any of these. And um, I think they got so lost in that that they forgot the heart, and you'll see that a little bit here. Yeah, when we talk about the Sabbath, um, do- Jesus, I think Jesus explains it in his ministry more than once. But there is a sort of idea here that it's almost like, did did they misunderstand what God wanted them to do with the Sabbath? Or were they the ones who said, okay, we're not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath? Did God ever say to them, and I'm I'm asking you all this because I can't remember, but going back to Leviticus... Um, or you know, in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, when they when he gives them the, the law, 
regarding the Sabbath. Um, was it the case that they weren't supposed to do anything? They were just supposed to rest all day that day? Yeah, um, and if you remember, um, there were some guys carrying sticks, and they brought it to Moses, and they basically took the guys out and stoned them because they were working on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so that created that Levitical law. And so any kind of work. So by Jesus making mud, technically Jesus was working. He, oh, he created, was healing. He created, you know, he created uh, mud. So he was making, you know, whether you use the mud for mortar or whatever. He So that was their big hangup is Jesus worked. So so, so and, then uh, you might say, well, oh, wait, wait a second. Didn't Jesus break the law then? Yeah, that's what they're, that's what they're saying. It, aside from the miracle... He broke the law when he worked, and that's their big hang-up here. Because he, he, he held on the Sabbath before, uh, because there, are, there is a law that if your ox is in a ditch on the Sabbath, mm-hmm. you can get the ox out of the ditch. Well, I guarantee you that takes a lot of work mm-hmm. to do that. So they had like other loopholes or whatever to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why like if, if, if you want to know where the Jewish people live in, in, in your city, go to the nearest synagogue and that that you'll see they live in those areas because they walk because cranking a car is lighting a fire mm-hmm. so they're not going to drive that's that's creating work but they can walk well to me walking is more extending energy than driving yeah, but, yeah. so so that was the hang-up here well when, when they because because when the pharisees find out that he did this on uh he, he made mud and he washed he could see when he finds out when they find that out they say well he's clearly not from god yeah, he's a um, because, because he, because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. How can a sinful man perform such signs? I mean, that's I mean that's exactly what they say, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, is this the Pharisees saying that Jesus broke the law, or did Jesus break some law, but it wasn't it wasn't a, it was a misinterpretation of the law? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to clarify this because someone someone outside someone from outside the faith would look at this and go, "Well, Jesus isn't perfect. He sinned. He broke the law." You know, that, that was a law, and he broke it. Yeah, I think the Sabbath... Well, first off, I don't think Jesus broke the law. I think he might have broke their interpretation of the law. Okay. In fact, I think I know he broke their interpretation of the law. Right, because otherwise... Well, it says even there was a division among them. Some right. believed it, some did And you got to know, I mean, at least what my view of the law is, is, is Jesus, or God gives the law for the good of, of humanity... But also because of our sin to teach us that we're sinners. Because the Sabbath is not rooted in the law. The Sabbath is rooted in God, who God is and what he, what he does even in creation. Mm-hmm. And it, even before the law exists, they're wandering in the wilderness, right? And he tells them, I'm going to give you manna, but only get your portion for that day. Except on Saturday, or sorry, Friday, Friday you get double. Because I don't want you to come out here and get it. On the day of rest, and so right. even before the law exists, the Sabbath is there, and it's 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 just rooted in who God is and His His intent for us. And then the laws show up later because we're we we break those laws, we we push the limits of what we're supposed to do. And uh, even in the wilderness, they 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 were breaking that law. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think Jesus broke the law. Um, I get the sentiment of why some people say that. Some people would say that Jesus actually broke laws uh, because love was more important than the law, mm-hmm. meaning that he he kind of superseded the law and he actually he had like this extra 
right. meta law. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways he does, but but Jesus never ever, even with his what they would call maybe meta law, um, he never ever loosens the law. Right. He always uh, extends it or fulfills not it. makes more rules, right. but but says that it's actually tougher than you think. So like the law says don't murder. And Jesus says, well, everyone who has anger in his heart towards another man or another individual has murder in his heart. And right. so he, he elevates the law. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah. two, I think something, especially when Jesus is doing, um, when he's uh, when he's spitting the, in the mud and makes the clay and whatnot, and, you know, kind of going back to creation a little bit, I think you have to show that, like, we have to, realize that he's also showing his deity like that he is god or, mm-hmm. or else he wouldn't be able to do that and it mean anything right and in luke 6 he also says that he's the lord of the sabbath yeah so really i mean like god in his nature can't like go against himself mm-hmm. so if we have a right understanding of jesus per the person of jesus we know that he didn't go against the law because that's he made it, you know. Well, and, and, and that, you know, that gets to something. Like, that that yeah. gets to what I was kind of hitting yeah. at. Sometimes I think we we go, well, Jesus could do whatever he wanted to because he's God, and so he could, he can, he has this metal law, right? That he can, he, he can enact because he is God, and so if he wants to say the Sabbath is, you know, that it's okay to work on the Sabbath, then it's okay to work on the Sabbath. But the point here is that if Jesus, you know, if Jesus had just been a man. Then still, I don't think he's breaking the law in what he's doing, and that, that I guess it's what I'm getting at is that even if he was a man and he was yeah. doing what he was doing, he wouldn't have been breaking the law because if he was breaking the law even as a man, even set aside the fact that he is he has the character of God, yeah. if he, even if he's breaking the law as a man, then he's broken the law. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's that, that made me think about you know in Mark that passage where they're going through the cornfield and they eat corn and they're like, you guys are breaking the law. Because you're eating corn, you're right. not eating it, and then Jesus says, "Well, you know, even David took the showbread when they right. needed food." Right. And then Jesus makes that comment. Therefore, the Son of Man, uh, he says, uh, "The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath." Right. And so, the Sabbath was a day of rest God gave us, like going back to what Jeremiah said, to reflect His character. But they created in like um, the Sabbath then became the, the man was an important part. The Sabbath. The keeping the Sabbath was the important part. Right. Jesus is trying to bring us back to what the man's condition was the important part. Right. And I want to ask it. Um, do y'all think that it we're commanded to keep the Sabbath today? Mm. I know my answer. I just wanted to ask y'all. <laughs> well, it's interesting because the Sabbath is, I mean, traditionally in the calendar, I think the Sabbath would have been Saturday. Yes. Not even on a Sunday, right. so it's not even Lord's. So... I think we're supposed to honor the Lord's Day and keep it holy. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know that we have to. I don't think we're under. I, I think the Sabbath, the way we look at it, I think the day of worship, when we come to worship, it's not truly a Sabbath for us because we're we're, we're preparing and working and doing things. But I think God does want us to have a day of rest, whether we do the day of rest on a Thursday or a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We need to have a break yeah. in our lives where we just yeah. rest. And I think that's what... The biggest problem that I see for for how the uh, Israelites interpreted this is their focus was on the work, 
Right. And I think God's focus is on the rest. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And there's other, even if we didn't keep a Sabbath or didn't feel like we have to keep a Sabbath, there's other texts to say like, be still and know that I am God. And yeah. and I'm going through the spiritual disciplines with my students and, I, and I'm, ta- I'm trying to tell, teach them, hey, one of these disciplines is solitude and rest. Mm-hmm. And I think those are commands. And I think if you look at the pattern of Jesus's life, he literally does this. Like he mm-hmm. goes off in this in solitude a lot of the time and just mm-hmm. spends time with God. So even if it's not a law, I think it's a good pattern of behavior. Yeah, and I would say it wasn't a law. Um, yeah, it's not a law, but it is good. Yeah. You know, it is good. And I get that, and we get that from Colossians two sixteen, where it says, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. Yeah, right. So Right. I yeah, think, no, that's I, a good question, yeah. though. I think it's a, it's a good one to raise because I think people do remember yeah. what we're talking about the Sabbath here. And I um, think it's important to know, that, like Jesus, like fulfills that Sabbath rest. Yes, in us, when he says, you know, come, you know, all you are weary, weary. and heavy laden, I'm going to give you rest. Right. Well, he's talking about that Sabbath rest, and Jesus is able to do that because Jesus is God. Yes, and you know, you know, yes, right, right. I, I I agree entirely yeah. with you, you know, and, and with your interpretation. Yeah, I just know a lot of people can get that kind of. Somewhat, yeah. No, no. I, I think you're right. Up. I think there are people who I, who actually probably have thought about that. Like, okay, well, yeah. are we supposed to keep Sabbath now? Yeah. Um, you know, because we because the Bible does make a huge deal out of the Sabbath, um, even in the New Testament here. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's just keep on with the with the text here, though. Um, so you're right, Jeff. They have a division among themselves over this whether this man was a sinful man or not. And so then they just asked the guy who, who was who's blind. He's well, what do you say about him? Mm-hmm. Since he's the one that opened your eyes. And it's, his answer is interesting. He's a prophet, he said. Um, so at that moment, if he's a prophet, um, which, by the way, I think Jesus is a prophet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible says he's a prophet, priest, and king. So his answer is not false. His answer is, is true, um, even if it only hits on partially who Jesus right. is. Um, but the notion of a prophet for that culture at that time, what would that be admitting to? What do we think that's, I mean, what would, if, you're, if they're asking him, what do you say about him? He says, well, he's a prophet. What does that even mean? What would that mean to them? That's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question because, I mean, you had false prophets and legitimate prophets with the Jewish people. But um, I there would have to be this sense of he is a you know he's got at least a mission from God or um, he's a he tries to fear God something along the lines of that I think would be something that he would maybe try to and most prophets too in that day were proclaimers were foretellers and uh, you know John the Baptist some said he was a prophet so they so a prophet then would be someone that they would think that Jesus was because he's preaching, he's teaching, he's doing all these things that a prophet would do. Mm. Um, he's even calling out the, the leaders, which right. prophets was did very that. prophetic. Yeah, they prophets were the ones that, that would uh, speak to the kings and the leaders and say, thus said the Lord. And so um, to be a self-proclaimed prophet, you know, right. where if you if you ever say anything that doesn't come true, you're technically not. Yeah. So, but if other people call you a prophet, then that's that was his understanding. I think, and I think uh, clearly when the way Chris developed it, you know, the man went from man, and now he's right. The man Jesus now he's this prophet. So 
we're going to see this man kind of gets a whole better understanding of who Jesus is. Right, this, the, the blind guy does. As you, an you, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I just find it interesting that, that, that he starts there with, well, he's a prophet. I know I know, he at least has some connection with, or I believe that. Well, even has, some of the Pharisees would agree he's a prophet. Yeah. yeah. Now, some would say he's probably a false and, prophet. You know. And it's interesting, too, because the next verse says the Jews did not believe this about him. And my translation, I don't know if yours, you guys are looking at different translations from me. I'm looking at a CSB translation. But my translation has like a sort of, um, it's hyphenated here. Mm. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight. And then another hyphen, until they summoned the parents of the one who received his sight. So this translation seems to say that what the Jews didn't believe this about him was not that Jesus was a prophet, but rather they didn't believe that this man had actually been healed from his blindness. Right, and that's kind of what it says. And I'm, I'm curious, do, you, do, do any of your translations make it sound like they didn't believe that yeah, says, Jesus but, was a prophet? Which but specific the Jews did not believe? 18. Uh, 18. 18. Well, it would be 17 and 18, yeah. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, which was a small h, uh, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his, the parents of him who had received the sight. So basically they're saying... Well, this guy's making this up. Right, right. So right. they're just saying, okay, you think it's a problem. We don't even believe you were even born blind. Yeah. So now they got to get the parents in here to, yeah. to yeah. Uh, verify. I was just curious if there was any translations that were saying that the, what the Jews didn't believe was that Jesus was a prophet. But I don't think, I, I think it's... Yeah, I, no, I think focus more on the blindness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so then um, then verse 9, so they, they summon his parents um, and they ask the parents... Um, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? Uh, how's he seeing now? <laughs> and they're like, well, we know that's him, and we do know that he was born blind, but we don't really know how he's seeing now. And, and, and we, don't, we don't know the person that supposedly opened his eyes. Um, you ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. <laughs> you know, it's like, like uh, I don't know if it was Jeremiah before we recorded this, like, these parents are just kind of like, uh, we're going to throw him under the bus. Well, that verse 22 shows. <laughs> yeah, we get in verse 20, yeah, verse 23 especially. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. And this is why his parents said he's of age, ask him. Which is interesting because a couple of things here. One, it must have been commonplace, at least among some people, that they were confessing Jesus as Messiah, yeah. right? Otherwise, why make up this rule? Why make up this agreement? Okay, well, if you confess as Jesus the Nazarene as Messiah, you can't come in the synagogue anymore, right? Well, you don't make a you only make a you only make rules for things that have actually occurred in the past. So somebody along the way has been confessing him as Messiah enough to where they feel like they make you make this rule up. Um, so. So it's not a foreign concept, at least according to the Gospel of John, that Jesus was being proclaimed as Messiah even before his crucifixion resurrection, right? Mm. I mean, there, 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 there are those who apparently were, were thinking of him as Messiah. And these parents were enough afraid uh, of, of that threat that they're like, we, we're washing our hands of this uh, he's of age. Ask him, <laughs> right? And Jeff, uh, you you have a theory on why they bring in the parents. I'll I'll, I'll let you bring that to the table here too. Um, what what you know? Because we might go. Wait a second. Why in the world are they going to the parents? 
Like, is dudes born blind? Like, why are they bringing the parents into the equation? Yeah, I preached one time on this that uh, I think the guy was probably around 15 years old because they were considered a man once they became 12 and they became a son of the Torah. Um, because obviously he knows scripture, he knows about the Messiah, so he's already been uh, taught all that stuff. And when the neighbors are like, some of them didn't recognize him, I, I always thought about like sometimes when you see a kid, mm-hmm. there's something different about him, you don't really recognize him. Maybe they get a haircut or they had a growth spurt. Like they probably just, he was just in the background all the time. They didn't really pay attention to him because he was mm-hmm. born blind. But once he could see, something was different about him. So they couldn't really attest to who he was. Then the parents come in, they're like, yeah, he's our son, but we don't know how this happened. Yeah. And they're like, but he's of age, ask him. And they do that twice because they didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue. Right. But he's old enough, if he wants to make this decision, and if he wants to get kicked out of the synagogue, ask him. You have to verify. Yeah. And, you know, um, we don't see that much in our day and age, but uh, if you're a Jewish person and you become a believer, um, they do actually have a ceremony where you're basically dead to them. Yeah. And you do lose everything. And yeah. so this was a big threat. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that prior to the recording, too, that we, we really need to make much of the fact. But to of, say of age has to say that he's at least 12 years old or yeah. older. Right. I don't think he's 40 or 50 or 60. Right. You know, well, he could be 20. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't think he's an older person because why would you bring the parents in to begin with? Right. Well, what I was about to say is uh, we, we need to make much out of the fact of, of this threat, this idea of being removed from the synagogue. That's a big deal. That's no small thing. Because um, we read it in modern eyes and we go, oh, you mean you can't go to church anymore? Yeah, that's no big deal. Yeah, because he could. Yeah, he just find our church, find our synagogue, or 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 you know, um, oh, well, that's no that's no big deal. He can't go to church anymore. Well, he doesn't need church anyway. You know, uh, God's everywhere. He can just worship God wherever he goes. He can watch it online. But if yeah, you have, like, maybe, he can watch yeah. the if you online. think if you think of like uh, communities like that today, like the Amish, where they shun people. Um, uh, Mormons, right? Muslims, in the, Muslim. Oh, they're huge about us, and even the Jewish people. I mean, uh, Christians, we don't really do that. Do right. it. We don't really, especially here in America. Now, maybe other cultures where it may be stronger. Yeah. Not anymore, uh, but in our history, the English separatists and really the pilgrims. Yeah, they left that type of of mentality of. In order to have status in your community, you had to be a part of the English church. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you you couldn't get a job, and you couldn't have status, and you couldn't even like be a real citizen uh, if you had been cast out from the English church. But you right, know, yeah. Right. And so we're kind of in a way in America. Really, if you think about it, though, if you say you are a Christian, the world system is set up now that you are kind of shunned or frowned upon or you're not cool or you're one of those bigots or you're one of those mm-hmm. people that don't don't believe in fr- love and freedom and right. free expressions and all this stuff that we're all for mm-hmm. and you're all against now. So there is a tendency now that, that people would have the same thing as, am I going to become a Christian and really be a Christian? And lose my friends, and lose my status, and lose mm. everything. I mean, that's that's real in a in a certain sense today. In some sense, but even 
but not like not, not like this. Not like this. Because everything was tied to right. And I think I think you know to to be exiled from the synagogue or to be kicked out of the synagogue would probably mean certain people wouldn't trade with you anymore. Uh, it would be hard to get a job. It would be hard to have any kind of, like you said, status in your community. You'd be known as the the outcast. And so and the parents, you have, that, you'd have no means to to do the sacrifice. I mean, for me, that's the big one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. To be able to, you have no to more, make the sacrifice. You, couldn't, you literally sin. couldn't keep the law, right? Unless you did it like Saul did, and you did. Because it for the Jewish people, so much of their entire identity as a people are wrapped around that that synagogue that temple worship um and if you remove that from them they don't have it. well and the poor blind man couldn't go to worship anyway right in a state under yeah, the law yeah. he could only go to a certain uh place hmm. you know he, could, he, could, he couldn't actually go through the gate and go worship because he had he had an infirmity the, 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 so he could only go to the court of the gentiles that even makes that that even makes me think even more about what the parents did the parents have all the parents throughout this whole thing. We assume have been able to go into synagogue. They've been able to go where their kid can't go, and now suddenly their child can go. Right, their child yeah, because he can be able see to go because he can see now, <laughs> and, and and they're like, well, we don't want to lose our status, <laughs> and, and you know, so anyway, it's interesting. All right, so let's go on. So they parents say ask him, so they bring him up a second time, and they're uh, and and they tell him give glory to God. Which is interesting. That's interesting that they, yeah. they would say that, right? Give glory to God. We know, we know that this man is a sinner. We're talking about Jesus, presumably, right? Yep. Give glory to God. The only way you're going to be able to glorify God is to proclaim Jesus as a sinner, right? <laughs> and and the man says, well, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. You know, maybe he is, maybe he's not. But I do know that I was blind and now I can see, right? And that's <laughs> like, why I was like... This has to be a teenager because the way the back and forth is like, you know, I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but, you know, all I know is I can see now. I mean, that sounds like something yeah. a younger person would say. They're, they're just going to go right to the truth. They're not going to, like, try to be diplomatic. And right. Like, and so the next thing they ask him is, uh, I love this. They're like, okay, give us specifics here. How how exactly did he open your eyes, Right. How did he do this? So, like, and you and you wonder, like, did he sacrifice a goat? Did he did, did he like you know? Did he do? Did he change some evil thing? You know? Did he did he uh, did he call on Baal? You know, that's what they're looking for here. And the guy says, "Look, I've already told you, and you didn't listen to me. Um, why do you want to hear it again?" And I, you know, of course, the, the, you, <laughs> you don't want to become his disciples too, do you? And I've also, I've always found this... this <laughs> that idiot. probably got him going. Yeah, that's not the wisest course of action in, in a court of law, um, and like before the Sanhedrin or whatever. But, but it's interesting here. Do you think... Um, we know that at this point, his confession has gone from man to prophet. Mm-hmm. But here, he says, you don't want to become his disciples too, do you? Mm-hmm. And now they're going to say, you're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. Mm-hmm. And the guy never—he doesn't—he doesn't say he's not a disciple of Jesus. So when when he says this, you don't want to become his disciples too. Do you think that this is his implicit uh, admission that he wants to be a disciple of Jesus, or is this him just being sarcastic about other people who are disciples of his? Do you get what I'm saying here? I—I'll be honest as I as I read it, and mm-hmm. I'm not. You know, always the best at interpreting. But whenever I read it, I 
I look at it as he's a disciple too. I think that he wants to follow the guy that made him see. Yeah. Whether he's a true, I've, I've stepped out my faith and started following him. Uh, enough has happened in his life that if he can find this guy, yeah, I'm going to follow him. Okay. So in some ways, you know what would be interesting here is that Chris, Chris mentioned man and prophet. Perhaps this is, the, this is the blind man reaching a third step that Chris didn't mention, which is teacher. A rabbi. Yes. Or a rabbi. Because to, to say that you want to become someone's disciple is more than just saying that they're a prophet now. Now you're saying that they have something to, to teach you, that you want to study under them. People yeah. didn't study under prophets, right. but they did study under rabbis and teachers. So perhaps this is him admitting Jesus as teacher. Um, I don't know. I just I, I've heard different people. Inter- I've heard different pastors interpret that verse different ways. Some people say that he's just being sarcastic, right? That he's just saying, "Oh, okay. I guess you want to be his disciples too, right? Like you want to be like all these other people. Uh, you know, if, if if you're so interested in <laughs> when you look at verse thirty, it's gonna it adds to the sarcasm. I don't think he's just technically being sarcastic, but I think he is telling the truth to a point that it's, it's upsetting these people so much. Oh yeah, definitely. But I, I I I've read that in the way that you did, Blake. I've I've yeah. read it that I think he wants. I think he desires to be a disciple yes. of Jesus. Oh yeah. Where it, and he's lost him. He doesn't even know where Jesus is yeah. now. He doesn't know how to find him either. He has no idea who he is or what he looks like. So they ridicule him. Um, they make fun of him and say, "Well, you're that man's disciples, but we're Moses's disciples." We know that God's spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. And this is where Chris was saying that this was really the 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 the, the, the heart of the question here is is okay. We know Moses. We know we know we're Moses' disciples, and we know Moses, and we know the law. Are you going to say this man is on the level of Moses? Are you going to say that this man um, is because if you are? then you're admitting that he's Messiah. And if you're going to admit that he's Messiah, then you're going to get kicked out of the synagogue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I think it's the point Chris was trying to make here is that with, with, this, with this sort of line of questioning, they're basically saying, all right, here it is, laid on the table. Do you think this guy's Messiah or not? And um, his answer is, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. Um, you're saying you don't know where he's from, but he opened my eyes and we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, right? We know that. And the other thing we know, you know, if anyone is God fearing and does his will, that's who he does listen to. Mm -hmm. So that means that, um, that if God did, if God did this thing and, um, because he, well, he's, here's the third point he says, Throughout history, no one's ever heard of someone open the eyes of a person born blind. And it, it, it would take God to do that, basically, is what he's saying. It would take God to do that, but God doesn't listen to anyone who's not God-fearing and doesn't do his will. So this man must have been God-fearing and doing his will. And God doesn't listen to sinners, so this man couldn't have been a sinner. So he's not a sinner. He's God-fearing and does his will, and he's doing something that's never been done before. You put... You, the, Tell me what you think about it, right? Verse 33. Yeah, yeah, if this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think that Chris says that that, that paragraph is, is his admission that he's yeah. Messiah. Yeah. And I think that's pretty close. I, I, you know, Jeremiah, we talked about this a little bit before. You, you wonder whether he actually ever admits he's Messiah. Do you think that's close enough to infer that? Or do you think that you... you, you 
would you want him to say more to 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 get to that admission? No, I I think that. Sorry, we we were confused on what we were talking about earlier. So oh, it's, okay. it's causing some fog right now. But uh, basically, I was saying that I don't know when he puts two and two together that the man who healed him uh-huh. and the man who is Messiah, who he now follows, I don't know when he puts that together, that uh-huh. they're the same person. In fact, I don't know if he puts that together. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think that's what he's doing here, though, in this admission. If he's saying, this man who healed me, it, I know he's god fear. He's not a sinner. No, yeah, we're saying the same thing. He's I a, believe that he thinks Jesus is Messiah at this point. Okay. He but but, but he doesn't Jesus. know who Jesus is. Right, right. Because later he, he still has questions. Right. Like, he who doesn't. is he? Right. So that I can follow him. Right, right. Okay, I, I got I you. Know, we're almost there. So, yeah. <laughs> so he, so we're, we're sort of in agreement here that he does, yeah. uh-huh. he's confessing the man who healed him is Messiah. Yeah. Right? Or as close to his Messiah as we're going to get from him. And of course then um, they say you were born entirely of sin, in sin, um, talking to the man born blind. And uh, and you're trying to teach us, and they throw them out. Yeah. yeah. Is, is there any translation to say they? Mine just says that they cast him out. Um, Mine says they threw we obviously him out. assume. It says they answered and said, "Damn, you were completely." Oh, okay. You're saying we're assuming that the throwing him out isn't just just like out of their presence for the time being. Oh, okay. I think they did both. The, yeah, told him to leave. Well, and that's then, what Chris Alley said. And then your cast out of yeah, so, I would have yeah. missed it. I, I wouldn't have made that connection on my own. Yeah. So Maybe if it's both. true, it's really profound. It is. I think it's probably true only because John goes through so much pains to show us yeah. the parents. Yeah. Boy, and Jesus says that yeah. when he heard that he cast him out. I mean, the next verse, he hears about the guy got kicked out of the synagogue. Yeah, when they had thrown the man out. Well, Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that could still be Jeremiah casting out. They, they, yeah. You know, Jesus heard that they, they threw him out of the courtroom or whatever. Yeah, because it sounds like a trial. like Right. They, they just kind of dismissed him at that point. Like, we yeah. Don't, we don't need this witness anymore. But it feels more, I think it feels more significant than that. And so I, I think the inference that they cast him out of the synagogue is probably pretty strong yeah um but i get what you're saying there i don't i don't disagree i don't disagree that it doesn't say it explicitly there you know it doesn't say they threw him well whether they cast him out of the synagogue or just threw him out of the room right. he still got dismissed yeah right. yeah and, and and then jesus finds it's cool again because jesus is the one that finds him yep um he doesn't find jesus jesus finds him um <laughs> I'll stop there, Jeremiah. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> um, um, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far with that thought that we can't find Jesus. <laughs> that he has to find us. But um, but but but. Well, he's a believer before this point, anyways. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, he's getting ready to be. Yeah. Well, I think. No, I, okay. Good question. Good question. There is this guy a believer at this point. Is this guy? Um, would we say that this man is a man of faith at this point when Jesus finds him? Yep. You what what what's your what would what would you present as evidence for that? Uh, he believes in the Messiah. Okay. And he strongly believes in the Messiah, even willing to to 
to uh, be thrown out of the synagogue and to be dismissed or whatever. Right. Uh, to that point. Mm-hmm. And so just because he doesn't know Jesus' name doesn't mean he can't believe in well, the Messiah. He knew his name. Yeah, he does. But he doesn't. I, I still at this point don't know that he knows Jesus is Messiah. We that, call that connection. He calls the man who healed him Jesus. Yeah. He knows it's Jesus. Okay, well, the face. He doesn't know the face. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't know the face. No, he yeah. doesn't know who, what Jesus looks like. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, and later he said, No, said somebody it, could have pointed to Peter and said, That's Jesus. And he wouldn't, I mean, he, you know, he wouldn't yeah. know. But, you know, the progression he makes is he knows he was a man named Jesus. He knows he's got to be a prophet at least. And then they keep pushing him. He says, well, only Messiah could do these things. You know, only the Son of God could do this. And then now he's going to come face to face with the person who did it. Because I think it, well, if he could find, if he could have found Jesus or, or if the thing would have went another week and then later on he finds Jesus and asks him, um, it's all kind of encapsulated here in one, one story. Yeah, it's something else too I, I, I neglected to mention, but... The fact that they bring up Moses is bringing up a person of authority, right? Hmm. So the fact that he's saying that this man, if you're going to say this man's higher than Moses, right? Because Moses told us not to do these things on the Sabbath or whatever. If you're going to say this man is higher than Moses, then you're you're saying something that we we absolutely you're saying he's Messiah. Yeah. You know, and and so anyway, and they accuse him of being a disciple of Jesus. They do, yes. and, and he doesn't deny it. No. Um, so anyway, um, when he, Jesus finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And then he does ask Jeremiah, you're right, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Um, and he says, sir, I don't think he recognizes that this is the guy who healed him. Um, I don't think that, uh, uh, I think he's probably saying, hey, where is that guy that I know is Messiah yeah. so that I can believe in him? And then that's when Jesus says, you've seen him. Um, and, and in fact, he is the one speaking with you. And it's interesting because uh, Jesus' answer of you have seen him is, uh, honestly, the guy hadn't seen him yet <laughs> until just that moment. <laughs> like, like, like but even though he was blind by faith, he saw Jesus. Oh, okay. I guess you could. I, That's it, what I'm kind of inferring. Uh, you could, you could, you could spiritualize that and say well, that. No, but Jesus <laughs> does it even when he, he, Chris didn't get to the conclusion. But if you look at the conclusion, that's what Jesus is saying. Right. <clears throat> when, when he says, "Yeah, uh, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin, but now you see." Uh, we see. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Say that. He's talking they, spiritual they, blindness. They can see, but they're blind, and the guy was blind, but he could see. Right. You're talking about spirit. Yeah. Yes. You're talking about spiritual blindness. Right. Um. So anyway. Um, he says, you have seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. And then Chris stopped here at this part, but he, uh, the, the man says, I believe Lord. And there he calls him Lord yes. and he worships him. And the, the worship of him recognizes that this is not just Messiah, but this is God. Because yeah, worship right. is reserved for God alone. And he was the first person. Yeah, Jeremiah, him, Jeremiah and I were talking about that. I, I, I'm not going to disagree with Chris because I think you know, maybe Kevin was the first he, one in John that worships. That's what we said too. <laughs> he said, "Is he the first one in John that worships him?" Well, we can find out. Uh, right? yeah. This is early in John, so I think that's probably. And we're not saying we just haven't ver- we just haven't verified. We do this with everyone. Yeah, oh, I would yeah. do this with you. I'd do it if you said. It. Oh, I, did it my, <laughs> I said it and did it with myself. We trust what he said. Oh yeah, we yeah. just it, when you I hear just, things like just, that, you want to verify. Yeah, I was yes. just surprised. I was like, oh, okay, is he is he the first one? 
I'm all like, is he the first uh, first person to worship Jesus as Lord? And then I'm trying to think who all did it. We, we know we know Thomas people did, did it. it. Well, but that's post resurrection. Yes. But pre resurrection, who did it? I'm thinking. Who, who all has worshipped? I mean, there's worships that Peter's Jesus. confession that sounds like you you were the Christ, the Son of the Living. Well, God. they worshipped him on the boat when they uh, calmed the storm. Yeah, Peter does. By the, they, the, I think they all the whole, do. Everybody did. Yeah, that's true. Because they're like, who, 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 who can who ever calm the storms? Thing. All right, let's see. It would be an interesting study to go back and look well, and see you know, who all worships The Magi worship. <laughs> the Magi worship. <laughs> I, I won't count that one necessarily because they're not like... The leopard worshiped him in Matthew 8. So there's several people. Let's look at John then. Let's go ahead. I, I think he's right about John. I, I think, think he's the first one well, of John. I, the only question I had was the one of the Samaritan woman. Does she worship him then? Well, not, I mean. John 4. No, John's the first one. And in fact, John's the only one. At least uh, it says it like that. Yes. Yeah. I like that explicit statement. Yeah. That's, yeah. All, that's the only one where he uses that explicit statement. That this is I mean, one, could, one might could say that when the Samaritan woman went out and told everybody that's an act of worship, but it doesn't say. Worship. She even well, says, and also let, let, let's add to that. He does say that he he has that confession of I believe Lord, yeah. and true. then worships him. That's yes. true. So I mean, and, and in that instance, even with even with the disciples worshiping on the boat, I don't think they call him Lord necessarily. They made him. Well, but none of that moment. I mean, you'd have to look them all up. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I, I'm I'm satisfied. But in John's gospel, yeah, for sure, in John's gospel, this is the only one. Okay. Time. Yeah. Well, that's I, I was. <laughs> This is what we do, folks. So it's not we, we believe in our brother for sure. Yes. I just uh, I wanted to I wanted to verify. We'd like to see things for ourselves. That's right. I like Trust to because because I'll be honest. If you'd ask me like trivia question, hey, who's the first person to worship Jesus as Lord pre-resurrection? I probably wouldn't have guessed this. No, nope. I don't. I don't think I would have been anyway. We couldn't even name them. No. Um, well, he doesn't have a name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, even Thomas is just said. <laughs> Thomas just said, my Lord and my God. He didn't say he worshipped him. But by calling him my Lord and my God. He, we say that he worshipped yeah. him. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good point. So it was a confession that you're, right. you're the Lord and the well, God. Well, listen, if, if the listeners, if if, uh, if you can think of one that's before this, then uh, let us know. Because I I can't. I'm, I'm at a loss. For well, there's several in Matthew and Mark. Yeah. So. All right, well, um, the, the, end, the end result of this, we've kind of already talked about it, was... Chris talked about God does in you what he needs to do. And he talked about how this man went from his understanding of God. Like God God helped him to develop an understanding of who Jesus was, a proper understanding of who Jesus was, in order that God can do through you what he wants to do. That, that in the same way that this man was a miracle, a walking miracle with a message, which is what a sign is. A sign is more than just... Um, just an uh, an act. It a sign an is a, it's a message. It's it, it needs an explanation, and uh, and then Chris made the connection that we as the church are a miracle with a message that also needs an explanation, and um, I thought that was that was actually a really good application. Yeah. To uh, and I, and I know he camped out there more than we have. But we've kind of talked about some of the stuff that he discussed in our in our talk as well. Because we're nearing the end here, fellas. We've got um, we're at fifty-eight minutes into this already, folks. And you you know that we don't. I just looked at the clock, um, and so um, f- 
Final thoughts, though. We'll, we'll just we'll, we'll wrap up on this. What are some final thoughts maybe that stood out to you from this message? Again, a great message, and and I don't want to I don't want to gloss over that last part, but Chris spent a lot of time on that. Well, I think that's the point. Was the man became a believer, and as his faith grew and as his understanding grew, he was faced with questions that caused him to think about. All right, I put my faith and trust in Jesus. So what does that mean? And so that's I think the application was that if you're out there talking to the lost people, talking to the people in this lost pocket we live in, they're going to have questions. Mm-hmm. I may not like be like the Pharisees and you're under trial, but they're going to say, well, well you know, if you're a believer, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, I know this about Jesus, but, you know, isn't there, you know, he was just a good prophet or a good teacher. So those things are out there for us to continue the conversation mm-hmm. to try to help people know who Christ is. Yeah. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Final thoughts, fellas? I think whenever, uh, I think it's really good. You know, his uh, sermon title was Open Our Eyes, Lord. Um, and just seeing the people around us, um, just opening our eyes to the yeah. mission field. Yeah. And, um, I like uh, I like what he said, especially with teaching this class on Wednesday nights on evangelism. Like we might recognize the mission field, but we might be blind on how to reach mm-hmm. the mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that got me because I I think we all can kind of realize you know Durham's a pretty big mission field. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really take much of anybody to realize that, mm-hmm. but how to reach them that's uh, that is a big blind spot even for you know even for me a little bit. Um, so, and just asking God to remove those blinders and help, you know, help reach people like that. I think that was a that was something that really stood out to me. I really I appreciated that he said that because I think that was good for us and I just as uh, personal us as pastors and us for our church too. I think that was good. Right, right. Um, any other final thoughts here, guys? No. Well, my final thought on this is um, some of what Chris was talking about towards the end about the fact that we. Um, that we are this this miracle with a message that needs explanation, and that we're basically um, we're walking miracles, and our job is to point others to to God and point others to Him. And it got me thinking about a phrase that's used in in um, among ministers sometimes and among Christians that we have a job to make the gospel attractive. And I, I thought about, I, I got to thinking about what does it mean to make the, what does it even mean to make the gospel attractive? Is the gospel attractive on its own? Does it need me to make it attractive? And what about the fact that the, that we hear all the time that the gospel is an offensive gospel? How can something be both offensive and attractive? So those are the questions I've been wrestling with, and uh, that's the message I'm going to preach on on Sunday. So, uh, so if uh, that intrigues you, I encourage you to uh, to tune in at least to the podcast next week. And we'll talk about it. But I'll be filling in for Jeff, who is going to be celebrating his birthday. Happy early birthday to our brother Jeff. And uh, and uh, we'll look for you the next time around on, uh, on the podcast. So thanks for joining us for this one. Have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you next time. So long.